You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BJN Radio, episode number 357. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, actually without me during the last episode, thank you, Brandon, for flying solo in episode 356. Uh, my dog, Charlie, uh, passed away. I had to put him down last Thursday, so I was in no shape to record last week. So Brandon flew, flew solo during that episode. Uh, sorry to get this off on a <laughs> on a oh, bummer note. Kind of fitting, uh, and of course we got a lot we got a lot of bummers to get to. Um, you know, from the Eagles Jets game, of course, Eagles losing uh, twenty to fourteen, taking their first L of the season. But before we get to all that, Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Yeah, rest in peace, Charlie. I only met him one time when I had to record a podcast at your house last year. At one point. Um, Great dog from from what I could what I could tell, and uh, always enjoyed seeing him in the background uh, of your office when we. Oh yeah, he would bark during here. during some episodes every now. Yeah, and every he, now he'd, and he'd weigh in, so he's part of the BGN yeah. Radio uh, family here, and uh, great dog. We're gonna miss Charlie. Um, you can find the best possible meat snacks, and clearly the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have enough leading into their Week Six game. That's probably the most underreported storyline of the game is the Eagles should have had more righteous felon craft jerky. They should have gone to righteousfelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off their order because it's the best snack that you can possibly get. Okay. I'll keep it brief because we have a lot to get to and uh, it's not really necessarily fun. Here's what I'll say, Jimmy coming off the Eagles first ever loss to the jets. That's crazy to think about the first time they ever lost to the New York football jets. I am not feeling as angry or like concerned, I guess, relative to the crowd. And I don't know if that's because I'm a contrarian to some extent. I don't know if that's because I've become detached to, at some level of doing this for now 10 years. And it's not as the same, you know, life and death every single game. I don't know if it's because I can zoom out and say they're five and one it's literally not the sky is falling they have one of the right. best records in the nfl still they have the best record in the nfl tied for right tied for and their losses to an afc team so it doesn't really matter as much as it would to an nfc or an exactly. nfc east team so um i i'm not more than one thing can be true i'm not going to say this loss doesn't matter because it's a, a wasted opportunity the 49ers lost to the Cleveland Browns, and it's a chance to go up to 6-0 and and be solely atop the NFC for the number one seed. And you could have maintained that two-game lead on the Cowboys, who unfortunately yeah. won on Monday night. It's certainly a very big missed opportunity, especially with your schedule getting tougher. At the same time, I'm not like 
well, now the Eagles are frauds and everything's bad. And they're now they, they don't even have a chance against the Dolphins this week. I am not there. If you uh, were given, like before the season began, if you were given the opportunity to sign up for five and one, if you're an Eagles fan, are you taking that? Well, yeah, especially like going, I was looking back at my record. Yes, to answer your question, but going back, and I know it's not as simple as this because things change, but going back to my Eagles win lost record predictions that we do every year, right when the schedule comes out, guess where I had them after six games? I had them at five and one because I thought Mm -hmm. they were going to lose to the Aaron Rodgers Jets, which is a very different version of the Jets that were out there on the field in week six. But still, like, again, zooming out bigger picture. This is not some terrible place for them to be. It's not as good as it could have been, but it's not a disaster by any means. A lot of go- a lot of their good players played badly in this game, um, and I, you you know I think in a weird way, it's not the worst thing because you know that they're good players and they're going to be fine going forward. They I think just they just had a lot of bad performances uh, by guys that don't often have bad performances. Obviously, they had the injury to Lane Johnson, which was. Um, kind of disastrous in that game in that Jack Driscoll just, I mean, was a disaster in that game. Um, why don't we bat it back and forth? Why don't we go sort of, uh, you know, takeaway by takeaway. Oh, uh, you can lead us off. I don't get the Brian Johnson ire to the level of it, it to, to where it's at. That's not to say that Brian Johnson is flawless, but for everyone's like main, uh, what's it called? Like target of ire. <laughs> That's not what it's called, but it's That's the, fine. It, the, it works, but you get what I mean? Like everyone, I feel like yeah. solely for, like the biggest reason why the Eagles lost to the Jets, is Brian Johnson. No, it's not. It's no, it is not. When you have Deandre Swift fumbles, Dallas Goddard ball bounces off his hand. Jalen hurts, throws a backbreaking pick worst interception, maybe of his career. Uh, and you know, pressure against Jack, that Jack to allows where, um, you know, Jalen Hurts gets hit as he throws. Jalen Hurts holding on to the ball potentially longer than he should. Kind of was doing that a lot. In some cases, it worked in terms of him getting out of trouble. Other cases. Two drops by Devontae. Yeah, two two drops by Devontae Smith. Like, that's not on the offensive coordinator. What is he supposed to do? If, if the Eagles make those plays, and it's not like <laughs> they're asking him to make crazy plays. Like, just make your, your routine kind of plays. Don't make all. And whatever. Mistakes are going to happen at some level. Like, okay, one or two of those things happen. Sure four turnovers you're not going to win the game i don't care if you have the best offensive coordinator in the nfl you're not winning the game with four turnovers that's not going to happen that's not going to fly heading into week five i mentioned these numbers i'm going to mention them again uh i had them here i'm pulling them up and look am i going to tell you that these numbers are totally like bulletproof and everything feels fine no everything obviously does not feel fine with the offense this year but 2022 Eagles offense, they were averaging 27.2 points per game. The 2023 Eagles offense entering week six was is averaging 26.4 points per game. So 0.8 per game, points per game fewer. And the 2023 Eagles offense was actually better than the 2022 offense in both offensive success rate and EPA per drive. So that is not like, let's fire the offensive coordinator six games into right. the season. And it, the offense is a joke and it's pathetic. Like, no, it can't just be the coordinator. It can't just be the coaching staff. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. It's not as simple as this, but the offensive coordinator, on average, average offensive coordinator salary is $1 million a year. The quarterback is making $50 million per year. I don't want to hear that it's all the offensive coordinator 
and not on the quarterback who it's weird because Jalen Hurts, I thought, played a really good game up until a certain point. But at the end, he threw an interception that was absolutely unforgivable, inexcusable, and a huge reason they lost the game. And then given a chance to redeem himself, the final drive, they couldn't even get a first down. And you don't pay your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, $50 million a year, market resetting money at the time of his, of his extension, to not be his fault in a big way and to not come through in those moments. That is, I, I hate doing it because, again, it kind of just invalidates all the good things you could say about him earlier in the game. But Jalen Hurts is the reason they lost the game. I wouldn't put it on him solely. Uh, other things that you mentioned, of course, with and you know, I don't think you're putting it on him solely. But I, what I'm hearing is you're put, you're saying he's the biggest reason they lost. At the end of the day, you need your star quarterback to come through and rise above in that moment. And I think he has done that in times before. And I give him credit for that. So when he doesn't in that key situation, I, the turnovers. I'm not saying the turnovers are not his fault at all. I mean, are, are all his fault? Sorry, they're not clearly. But you can't throw that pick. It's, you, it's unforgivable. Like weird things happen. The Dallas Goddard thing, like, like bobbled off of him. DeAndre Swift, like a fumble happens. He's all out of carries this year. Like weird things happen. I get it. He, I, there's no, there's nothing to defend what Jalen Hurts did on that, that interception. Like it wasn't like he was getting pressured. He had, he had time in the pocket. He makes an unforgivable throw and they lose the game because of it. And it's not just that pick alone, but also that that pick plus, you know, missing A.J. Brown and whatever else he did on that final sequence. He's not the only reason they lost the game, but he is the biggest reason they lost the game at the end of the day. So I think the offensive line is getting a little bit of a pass here. Like, remember last year they had some games where, like, they quote-unquote bullied the bullies? Like, the Tennessee Titans game is, is one example. I think the Eagles have kind of become the bullies because they're so awesome in the trenches on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively and in this game maybe not certainly not defensively defense was great in this game but I think you know the offensive line got bullied a little bit in this game and it wasn't the same kind of offensive line performance that we're used to seeing and some of that has to do with Lane Johnson being out of the game but I think across the board they just didn't have a very good game at all Jalen Hurts' stat line was obviously very bad I mean with the one Tight, uh, touchdown versus the three interceptions. Two of the, two of the interceptions obviously were not his fault. The one that th- the throws he, he he hits Goddard. Goddard. I think I thought that was a fumble. If personally. he could have gotten <laughs> like, uh, the ball out sooner on the Jack, the one where he gets hit by Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, I mean he, he's seeing the pressure come on at that. him. Yeah, um, I don't think it's zero percent on him. I think okay. you can say maybe it's mostly not on him. I don't think it's just like well he couldn't have done anything else. It's mostly on Driscoll, but it's also bad luck that the ball popped up sure. and went, you know, right to the. It was that that play almost reminded me a little bit of like the Patrick Robinson interception in the FC Championship game in twenty seventeen, where Chris Long hit um, Case Keenum. What was his name? Case Keenum's arm and Patrick Robinson picked but it off. But let me that quickly play, interject here. Jalen Hurts also had a couple picks dropped in this game, so some of that stuff kind of evens out in terms of bad luck. He had a pick along the sideline that just went through one of the Williams brothers' hands, I believe. So, like, you know, some of that luck, bad luck and stuff evens out. And the bottom line is, going back to the Super Bowl last year, I think he's up to, like, eight or nine turnovers in his those those many games. Like, he's turning the ball over too much, and it can't just all not be his fault. He did make some really nice throws in this game. He did. Like the one that really stood out was the, you know, the drop in the bucket one down the left sideline to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown made a great catch on that, too, by the way. Um, 
and there, you know, there are others, there are others as well. And he plays the, with his legs uh, in this game as well. I thought that that was a really tough run that he had, you know, for their first touchdown of the game. I agree. Where he reached the ball across the goal line, and yeah, I mean, he just made a play there. It looked like it was. I don't know if they how how well they explain that on the on the tele on the telecast on that, but in the stadium they did a terrible job of sort of explaining what was going on well, there. Like even... we couldn't tell if it was re- being reviewed or what. Um, but apparently they reviewed it, and you know during the commercial break they said touchdown, and then everyone was you know learned when they came back that it was going to be a touchdown. Uh, sorry, go ahead. They never showed an an angle on the broadcast that was conclusive, so I would be pretty frustrated if I was a Jets fan about that. I I did think he got <laughs> yeah. in originally when I was watching it. Like it was actually, it looked like he was going to get stopped short initially, but because Hertz is so strong, and I think that's what kind of like the theme of that first Eagles drive was Hertz's strength, not only on that play to get into the end zone there, but also on that one, I think it was a third down, that one throw he had where he had a defender draped on him as he was able to throw the ball. Like that was a crazy play. That was, that was, that, yeah, that was one of his best plays of the year. That, I forgot. Yeah. That's, that's the one that I was thinking of, but that's like strength. Um, and that, that's weight room. And that's that being strong. Right. The, the play that he made uh, where he, you know, scrambled around a little bit and then he found Kenny Gainwell wide open, hits him drop. Like the, there were just, he didn't get, a, he didn't get the kind of help that he normally does. Sure. And I mean, not, and, and that's putting it mildly. Like he, he had players actively messing up in this game. It was almost like, you know, one of those games where the Eagles had like terrible receivers back in the day. Yeah. And he like Carson Wentz couldn't get help from anyone before mm-hmm. his career eventually fell apart. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you in that, that the final interception of the game. I mean, what's he looking at? There's a little stop route. There's no one pressuring him. There, there's a guy on each side of Goddard. What's, what's he looking at? And the Jets were like kind of pumping themselves up, like, oh, we told us, we told them you're gonna fake like you're blitzing in the B gap, and you just drop back into coverage, and he's gonna throw it right to you. Shut up! That was ridiculous. Like everyone can see, plain as day, that guy dropped into coverage, and that Goddard was. It was just a bad decision by Hertz. And the guy made a good play. Like the, yeah. that, that that defensive back made a good play on the ball, intercepted it, ran it back, but inside the ten. So I mean, that's obviously the worst play of the game, and that'll be the lasting memory. Like when we look back at this game, like five years from now, that'll be the lasting memory of this game mm-hmm. is that horrible interception by Jalen Hurts. But I think everyone shares in this loss from Devontae Smith, who had the worst game of his Eagles career, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Goddard, who just hang on to the football. DeAndre Swift, hang on to the football. Mm-hmm. Offensive line got bullied when they're not accustomed to getting bullied. Um, Jake missing Elliott here? missing a chip shot Jake, field Jake goal. Crazy. Like, what the 37 F is yarder. That? And they like those points, to quote Andy Reid, they you know they could have used those points. In like a big the game. Way. The game script changes drastically yep. at the end where they're punting and or they're gonna run it run and, and bleed and the clock punt. down. And that and would be fine. Punt. Right, because they're up five now, yeah. and then the Jets got to drive the field for a touchdown instead of a field goal. That decision becomes a lot easier instead of you know trying to throw for the fir- for the first down on third and nine. Eventually, gets picked, whatever. But yeah, I mean, every, a lot of different people share in this loss. And getting back to your point on Brian Johnson, there are a lot of likable players in this game that did not play well. Dallas Goddard, likable player, mm-hmm. bad mistake. Deont- Devont- uh, Devontae Smith, extremely likable player. Two horrendous drops in this game mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts you know the obviously the, the horrible pick at the end of this game v- you know obviously very very likable player as well it's not you know as easy to 
emotionally you know, compromised. People are emotionally compromised. Yes, yes. So they go, they they look at the guy that they don't know that well, and they go, "It's that guy's fault." Yeah, I get it. I get why it happens, but it's just so like uninteresting to me to just say now, it's always to, to the coach's be, to be clear, fault. <laughs> I want to be clear though. I like I don't think Brian Johnson has found. Uh, a rhythm. I'm not giving him a, a gold star. Let's in, be clear. In the same way that Shane Steichen, and this is like not just in this game. This is season long, like through the first six games, he has not found a rhythm and a flow in this sure. offense yet. And I think you know, after the first three or so games, we said, okay, well, they're facing Bill Belichick, and they're facing Brian Flores, and they're facing Todd Bowles, and all these guys are super smart defensive coordinators, and they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink, and, and uh, you know, at the Eagles' offense, and like it's it's hard to adjust. They're, they're doing so much with blitzing, dropping eight guys into into coverage, they're doing a lot of exotic things. Okay, fine, all that's all fine and good after the first three games, but they really they really haven't found a flow or rhythm in the in the you know subsequent three games either. I get, the, the offenses look better. Than, than they did in those first three games. But, like, there were times where Shane Steichen was just cooking, in you know, both in 2021 and in 2022, and they haven't found that rhythm and flow yet. And you can place some of the blame on the players, of course, for that. But, uh, you know, while I'm with you totally that I think Brian Johnson is just a really easy target and, you know, the uh, not enough blame is being placed on the, on the actual players on the field who are supposed mm-hmm. to make plays and not make bad plays – at the same time, I do think there is some sort of downgrade that they, that they're sure. experiencing from from Steichen to, to Brian Johnson. And I think that's kind of inevitable in a way that Brian Johnson is a rookie play caller. Yeah. And the same grace that was afforded to Jalen Hurts in 2021 when everyone was like, well, he's basically a rookie, even though he actually started four games <laughs> right, and played right. a little bit in his I always hated that season. argument. <laughs> same. But Brian Johnson doesn't get that. He's yeah. just expected to be great or just <laughs> right. as great. And so there's no benefit of the doubt with him when it comes to giving him grace. So I'm not trying to be like, I'm not even like, I don't think I'm like the, I don't know. I mean, it seems like I'm Brian Johnson's agent or something. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say he's without blame, but it's just like the idea that uh, there's any kind of fire him conversation is insane to me. It's more the players than him. And also I want to point out here, interesting stat I saw right before the podcast from uh, sport sports source analytics, like the decline of offensive efficiency in the red zone, which has been, I think uh, that is to me, that's one of the biggest fair things you can say about Brian Johnson and the red zone wasn't really an issue for them so much in this game. They went what two or three. And the one opportunity they missed was uh, a sequence where Elliot misses that field goal there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so year over year since 2020 efficiency in terms of touchdown conversion and yards per play in the red zone have steadily gone down each year. So there's something to that. And as a bigger theme, I think we've seen offensive efficiency kind of be down across the board, except for the Eagles week seven opponent, the Miami Dolphins this year. So that is something to also, so point being when it comes to Brian Johnson, maybe like some grace, he's a rookie and he's still, and again, the results are not like disastrous or anything. And, uh, you have to consider offense is kind of just down across the board. And that is something to also contextualize there as well. And also Jets defense. Now let's be clear, you know, you're, they're missing sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on short notice. You gotta be better with that. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's hard to, to say like, Oh, you know, this is a great defense when those players are missing, but it is fair to point out, you know, Robert Salas quote about how they embarrassed quarterbacks may have been a little much, but he's not wrong in that. Like, the, the Jets, and that was one of my bigger concerns heading into the game, the Jets have pretty much taken every quarterback they faced this year and held them to their worst game of the season. 
at least statistically. Yeah, Josh so, Allen and Patrick Mahomes. They faced a lot of good quarterbacks already. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and, and Jalen Hurts so far. I don't I don't remember yep. who the rest of the, the rest of the teams they had on their schedule, but yeah, th- those those three guys had um, certainly um, Josh Allen had was terrible. I watched that game. I, everyone did week one. He lost them he, in the game. He was flat bad in that game, and I actually watched the Patrick Mahomes game too because that was a yep. that was a prime time game as well. He did not play well in that game. Yep. So that is also worth contextualizing. And look, to be clear here, when I'm, I'm crushed Jalen Hurts earlier, I'm, I'm still not worried about him because this is an uncharacteristically bad game from him. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to continue to be this bad. It is a little weird to me. I pointed this out after the game on Twitter at Brandon Gowden that, uh, and I've been talking about this with you on the podcast, Nick Sirianni now 13 and two. He was previously 13 and one with the Eagles being road favorites. Both of those losses are at MetLife Stadium. So something about that stadium. And the first one was to the Joe Judge Giants mm-hmm. in 2021. That was his worst th- game. That was his worst game ever. Where he threw three interceptions. The Eagles had four total turnovers that day. And it's the same script in, in this game. one. Three interceptions yeah. and four turnovers total. Um, so that's another reason I'm not worried about it is because, like you said earlier, you had good players playing terribly. And I don't expect that to continue. It's frustrating in the moment. But I'm not. it doesn't really increase my panic meter by a ton. Uh, so that's where I'm at with it. We should, I think the, the, the news that we should address, by the way, um, with Lane Johnson, uh, Lane Johnson goes out in this game after what, I think he played nine snaps. It was the and, first drive. Yeah. And he's out for the game. Uh, ankle injury did not look good. Like I watched him walk. It was a long, you know, the long walk from the sideline to, to, you know, uh, through the tunnel. He did not look good. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Oh, that, that, he's going to be out a while. And Sure enough, or not sure enough, uh, uh, as you know, unexpectedly, not a serious injury at all. Got an MRI. Turns out Jeff McLean had an article about it this morning where it's, uh, you know, the grade one sprain. And uh, he may very well play against the Dolphins in week seven. And you look at like the Eagles records with him and without him. And there is no question whatsoever that. And, and I've, you know, you, you know that I've been uh, a Lane Johnson, a champion of Lane Johnson for many, many, many years. And yeah. I consider him the best offensive lineman in the NFL, not just the best right tackle, not right. just the best offensive tackle, the best, uh, the best offensive lineman in the NFL. And we saw the, how big of a downgrade it is from him to Jack Driscoll. And they dodged a major bullet because they had, I mean, Jalen Phillips is going to be the next guy that would typically rush off the Eagles' right side for the Dolphins. And then the following week, they have the Commanders, who is, you know, Montez Sweat, typically. Mm-hmm. And then the Cowboys with Michael Parsons. So you're looking at a three-game stretch there where you had good edge rushers going off that side. And teams were going to be licking their chops if they were going to have to face Jack, or if they are going to get to face Jack Driscoll on that side. Which, by the way, during training camp, I think you and I both I think I was opinion. especially on this. He was bad throughout training yeah. camp. Flat, I, I, kept I saying, thought like Tyler Steen was better than him, not just at, at tackle, but also at guard. I thought yeah. he had, I thought Jack, Dris- Jack Driscoll was like legitimately really bad throughout training camp this year. I thought that I said this on the, the daily podcast we were doing at one point. I thought earlier in camp, Den- before Dennis Kelly kind of fell off a cliff and he looked bad. Like I thought yes. Kelly started decently. And I was like, maybe he's going to beat out Jack. I think he's been better right. than Jack Driscoll has. And then Dennis Kelly ended up stinking. But still, like, that didn't mean Jack Driscoll was good all of a sudden. It's meant mm-hmm. Dennis Kelly was worse. 
And I don't even know if he was worse for sure, because Driscoll has been really bad, especially at tackle. That's the thing. I can buy into Jack Driscoll playing guard. I think he might be okay there, but he does not pass the eye test at tackle to me. Like when I look at him, that does not look like a tackle body to me. Like, do you agree with that? Like, I just, so I he, he, he does like, not look so like a tackle. His traits are a, probably a better fit at tackle because he's got athleticism and can, um, like against speed rushers, he can be, I guess, okay-ish. He's got short arms, which is always going to be a problem I mean. he doesn't at tackle. Look, he doesn't have the build of a tackle, but arms he, but, included. But he also doesn't have a good build for a guard either because he doesn't anchor well. So if you can't hold the point of a, if you can't hold the point of attack at, at you know you're just getting bull rushed back into the pocket, that's not good. You know, it's not good at guard either. <laughs> I don't think he's a very good player. It's kind of like I, well, I agree. I feel like I guess you know a lot of people you know, say this in terms of tackles who can't play, but I feel like you can hide him a little bit more at guard. You know, he can get like, you can give him a little bit more help in there as opposed to being all the way out on the edge and specifically lined up next to another backup in Sua Opeta. Like that's just not a good situation for him. He allowed eight pressures, according to pro football focus on something like 43 pass blocking snaps. So for context of how bad that is, uh, Evan Neal, who everyone knows has been a, a disaster for the Giants. He's allowing the most pressure. He's allowed the most pressures of any offensive lineman in the entire NFL this year at 29 over six games. So he's allowing 4.8 a game. And that is the worst rate in the NFL. Jack Driscoll allowed eight pressures in like less than a, a true full game since he had to come in just a little bit into it. Like he was a disaster out there. I guess there's a school of thought that he might be better given a full week to prep at that spot, but I don't buy that. I would look to put Fred Johnson in there if you kept him around. Um, and he has some experience doing that in the NFL. He didn't really do it so much for the Eagles in training camp, but he has experience playing there. Mm-hmm. I would look into that. He played there Tyler with the Bengals in 2021. Yes. Tyler Steen doesn't have experience there either, but I don't like worry about that as much with him in terms of, he was playing a defensive tackle in college, and then he quickly moved over to the offensive line. Like They've moved him around a lot, and it seems to not really phase him a lot, so I wouldn't be opposed to trying it there. Maybe the Eagles would instead want to go with moving Mylotta over to right tackle and putting in Steen or Johnson at left tackle. I would also not like love that as much as the one-for-one one thing, but right. I would still rather... Do, I don't think Jack, Jack Driscoll can play for you. I just don't think... That's a tenable option. He he stunk in training camp. He stunk in the game. Why are you just expecting him to all of a sudden get better? But I have another stat for you. EJ Smith of the Inquirer put this out. So per Pro Football Focus, the eight hurries or pressures or whatever pressures. that he that he uh, allowed the most from an Eagles offensive lineman since. Can yeah. you name the guy? I saw this tweet. <laughs> it made me laugh because <laughs> I I just think. <laughs> an all-time disastrous player for the Eagles where it's just like that was one of the most like surreal so you know who it is things you, ever yeah, it's Jamon Brown yeah. when <laughs> the guy adjusting his gloves yeah mid mid play and also there's a good like clip out there that went around where it's like Jamon Brown the most uh deadly pass rusher in the NFL like the most Oh he sacked yeah he sacked he, like, goes himself, over to Carson yeah. Wentz and he like takes him it's like what are you doing dude <laughs> Yeah, so but like serious all jokes aside, that's the like that's the context for how disastrous of a game that was. Jack Driscoll was pathetic, and Jamon Brown didn't play after that, or at least he did, he didn't start after that. Um, because he, it's like pathetic. That's you can't work with that. Offensive linemen sure have bad games, 
but that's just that's another level of bad and i don't you can't do it you can't do it so every year i you know i look at every sack the eagles allow on the season and i assign blame for each of them and um so last year jordan mylotta led the eagles with eight sacks allowed which totally nor that's totally normal number for like, you know, whoever is going to lead the team and the, you know, he's a left tackle. He's facing good edge rushers. They leave him on an Island out there. He's going to give up some sacks. Number two, didn't play a lot of snaps last year was Jack Driscoll. He had five. <laughs> yeah. I had him for five sacks allowed last year. And then just, you know, for further context, the offensive lineman after him on the list, Isaac Sayamalo gave up two and a half. Landon gave up two. Uh, I had Lane Johnson down for one. I know that we, I, we've been through this in, previous podcast where he has given up sacks before the, the streak of whatever since whenever is nonsense uh, but he gave up one so like uh jack driscoll giving up five sacks and like the rest of the offensive line jordan mylotta aside giving up almost none should tell you like you know he's kind of a weak link whenever he has to play uh eagles top 10 in total offense second rushing offense second pass offense nine points per game five third down offense one Fourth down offense, seven, uh, 23rd in red zone efficiency, which, again, has been the issue. Um, that's from John McMullen, just another pro-Brian Brian Johnson, or at least not anti-Brian Johnson point. Uh, but we're going long here. We should take a break, Jimmy. Let's uh, hear about our good friend, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. And I actually wrote down her phone number for the solo pod because I had to because <laughs> I never – I couldn't throw it to you. So, uh, you know, that's Did you the Google person. that? I did. I had to. I don't think it's I have eight, her in my phone. It's 856-906-9295. Eight, yeah. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, hit her up. Text. Or, it's a cell phone. So text or call her. Again, 856-906-9295. She actually just left. I think she's going out on a call right now. Brandon. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, you mentioned earlier the third down call. That was obviously, I think, a point of some debate in terms of should the Eagles just run it here and then punt at the end of the game? And instead, they call pass, which I was pro pass because agreed. If you pass and you get a first down, you win the game. And I don't understand how these same people who some of these same people who are like Jalen Hurts is awesome, you know, like 
tweet a picture of him, hype video, like all this stuff. Be like, you can't pass the ball there. How could you possibly pass the ball there? <laughs> so this guy you love and is like your favorite player, you don't trust him in the most key spot of the game to do what the Eagles paid him $50 million to do. I mean, the reality is there, like calling a pass, I think makes so much sense because you don't actually have to throw the ball. That's the thing. If you see yeah. that the pass isn't there, you don't have to force it. You can just literally, yeah, you don't even have to down. take off running. Taylor Heineke oh. style, like last yeah. year against the Eagles. Just sit down, take a yeah. sack, the clock is running, and then you punt the ball away. Like having the option to pass there absolutely had to happen, in my opinion. Because again, what if like the Jets have a, a coverage bust and someone's just wide open? Right. And hopefully the player actually makes the catch, unlike Devontae. Uh, I just did an unlike Aguilar there, not on purpose, but I mean, that was a terrible drop by Devontae. But yeah, like you have to give yourself that option. And especially because you're only up by two. Like, look, I don't, I didn't have tremendous faith in the Jets, you know, going down, driving the field, but all it takes is like one deep one pass yeah. where one broken tackle. Even, well, he doesn't even need to, th- or like he could terrible throw, but Josh Job or whoever commits pass interference, all of a sudden, okay, now the Jets are in field goal range. Like, no, yeah. like you, you can win the game by getting that first down. And also, like, this is your identity. You're one of the most aggressive teams in the league. Nick Sirianni likes to go for it. You paid your franchise quarterback all this money. Like, all that stuff, I think, lends to going to it. This isn't like you're playing with, uh, um, you know, like a Mark Mariota or like a backup quarterback you don't believe in there. Maybe in that scenario, uh, you just run the ball and you play a little bit more conservative. But uh, I don't have a problem with them going for it there. That was not the issue. The issue was the quarterback made an unforgivable throw in that situation. The difference is 40 seconds. So like if you throw an incomplete pass, the, the difference is 40 seconds. Is that And you're even if the Jets have – so if, if you run the ball and Jets, of course, have no timeouts left, they can't stop the clock – by the time you you know you run that play, you run down the the play clock, you punt, Jets get the ball. Let's say it's around the we'll call it the we'll call it a good punt, like mm-hmm. a, a decent ten yard line. Okay, at that point they got to go 50, 60 yards, and they got to do it probably in about a minute five, a minute five seconds, somewhere in that ballpark. That's not that crazy. Like teams do that all the time, and certainly you know the Eagles defense played outstanding all day and the jets have zach wilson's and you know uh in their passing game they have uh garrett wilson and not much else so you'd think that you can get that stop well guess what you can probably get the stop if they get the ball back with a minute 45 left instead of a minute five so you know the difference is they just have to hurry up a lot more to get those yards uh to get into field goal range than if you know i'm with you like just pass the ball Get the first down if you can, and if I, like I think a rollout there would have made sense. Where okay. um, I don't typically like cutting the field in half necessarily, but if something's there, hit it. And if something's and it's especially because you know Jack Joseph was getting just lit up like a like a Christmas tree all day by Jermaine Johnson and whoever else is rushing from that James uh, Franklin Myers, whoever's rushing from that side has been just killing them all day. I don't like just the straight drop back there. So if well, you maybe that's get... why they didn't have the rollout though, because you'd have to roll out right, right? I mean, yeah, but was... you can just keep a tight end in and and double whoever's on that side or whatever. You know, unbalanced you, do, do, uh, offensive do, line, but just I mean, you, my you lot can, on the right side. You can do a lot of different things to you know get on the move and sure. and negate uh you know one of your offensive linemen who is performing badly, but get them on the move. If something's there, great, and if not. Maybe you run for it too. Like you can, maybe you can run for a mm-hmm. first down. And if you can't get down, and then the clock runs anyway, I think that would have been you know maybe a smarter play call there. Um, but you know what are you going to do? Like like I think the the option that you don't really think of 
is that you throw an interception, which that's obviously the doomsday scenario and is only going to happen if you throw it. But um, I'm with you. Like you have this aggressive identity. You mentioned, you know, just about how you have a $50 million quarterback Mm -hmm. and a great quarterback. And to, to add to that, I mean, goes without saying, you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard, you have Kenny Gainwell. You have a lot of guys on the offense that can make plays. Mm. You're supposed to have this Kenny elite. There. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, did I say I meant DeAndre? Yeah. I meant DeAndre Swift. Sorry. Like, what? Um, but you have a lot of guys who can, who can make plays. Um, so yeah, I mean that's not the that's not the the point in the game where that's not the point in the season where you you turtle up and you go ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to play this Mike McCarthy style and like, or Kyle Han- Shanahan style or mm-hmm. Sean McVay style and, and do the coward punt. I think they made the right call there. What I will say tactically that they didn't do right was mm-hmm. let the jets score. Okay. When they, when, uh, after that interception, because, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me here. Like how much time was left on the clock or whatever. But if you know, there's a pretty good chance the Jets are just going to run it a few times and they're going to mm-hmm. kick the field goal and uh, you're going to get the ball. I forget what they would have gotten the ball back with. Like 40 seconds or so. Something like that. And, you know, they've shown that they can drive quickly. Well, apparently they're not. they're chucking it down the field to get in the field goal range. I think, you know, getting getting in the field goal range would have been a lot easier in a smaller amount of time than it would have to – get into the end zone, which they couldn't mm-hmm. do all day after like the first two or three drives. So uh, I thought it was a bad decision to, and if the jets, hell, if the jets want to pass by all means, by sure. all means, like take a shot into the end zone. And uh, if you score hats off to you, then, you know, we got to go to jet mm-hmm. Eagles got to go down and score a touchdown anyway, but a lot of things could have gone wrong with the way their offense was playing too. So I think they actually made a pretty big mistake letting Brees Hall score on that play. They should have been looking to stop them in my opinion. I was pro letting them score in the moment, but after the fact now I can see the argument why that was not the case. But I mean, also the Eagles offense couldn't even pick up a freaking first down with their mm-hmm. final chance. Like that's, that's pretty like the thinking about that. That's pretty pathetic. You couldn't even pick up one first down. I mean, the first play Jalen hurts has AJ Brown wide open streaking across the field. Like you overthrow him. Like really? Okay. Uh, you know what that drive reminded me of? Remember the, uh, the 2008 NFC Championship game against the Cardinals, where they just Kurt, Kurt Warner drove them down, they and the Cardinals took the lead. Eagles mm-hmm. got the ball, and then they just feebly four and out done. Well, I mean, I think the Kevin final pass Curtis went to Kevin Curtis. Yeah. Interfered with clearly on that fourth <laughs> yeah. down. I'll never forget that part of it. But whatever, it's the same kind of thing. Anyway. Four, quick, very, very quick four and out to end the game. I think we got to a lot of the things. Uh, she also mentioned, I mean, it wasn't just Lane, obviously. It was like Reed Blankenship, who we have to see. We'll, you know, we'll cover more of the injury report in our preview podcast this week, but Eagles injury report will be very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing on the negative side I want to get to before actually getting to some of the positives from this right. game. Uh, we'll do that after break. Was um, I think we're not at this point yet. You know, they're they're five and one. But some of my worst fears about what this season would be are kind of manifesting. And that's maybe that's part of why I'm not super uh, like torn up about this loss is because <clears throat> I think people in general kind of go into the season, you know, fresh season, new start, blah, blah, blah. Um, or we're thinking like, you know, Eagles were great last year, so they're going to be great this year. 
which is kind of the opposite of what I just said. But point being, like, it's not as simple as just getting back. I know the Phillies look like they're hopefully, knock on wood, on the verge of doing that uh, in baseball. But, like, this Oh, they Eagles started team, off slowly, too. <laughs> they did. And that's, you know, I'm not saying the Eagles are hopeless, but it's just yeah. so hard. It's so, and I'm, what I'm, I guess I, what I should really drill down on here, I was talking to Dan Kostner from Righteous Fallen Craft Jerky about this, is that, like, this season, and maybe I need to do an article about this at some point, especially if the Eagles struggle up here, is that this season, like, Eagles fans were set up to fail because if they win, it's not going to be good enough a lot of the times. Like, they, you didn't win good enough. You weren't impressive enough. And we saw that through the first five games. Yeah. Whereas last year, if the Eagles had started off with the same record, I think people would be more positive about the team coming off from, you know, Nick Sirianni's first season to this. But because expectations were so high, it's the exact opposite of under-promise, over-deliver. It's like over-promise, and now you only have room to under-deliver uh-huh. after coming off such an amazing special season last year. There's only kind of room to go down. So then it's just like this assumption that everyone is not as good as enough when in reality, like there was just always going to be some level of regression. They weren't going to be that same. It was incredibly hard to be better or the same as last year's team. And that's not to you know absolve everything just because of that. But it's a big factor. And yeah, it just puts fans in a tough spot of like, well, if they win, unless it's like a total blowout, then it's just not good enough and they're not happy about it. And if they lose, well, then that sucks. It's a disaster. So like there isn't really like a big, you're not really winning here. Or at least there's a very narrow margin of how you can win and it's also actually enjoyable so uh i just think that's kind of tough as well all right should we get to the the good stuff well let's take a break here jimmy but not before we hear about wrong crowd beer company yeah wrongcrowdbeer.com is where you can order wrong crowd beer online and you can also go to wherever you buy your beer and they should have it there especially if you're in pa and if they don't say why not Yo, get some wrong crowd beer in here. But uh, very good beer. I have been enjoying the Oktoberfest personally. Uh, and you know, I mean, it's October, so why not? That's my Oktoberfest. Right. And um, yeah, it's a brewery uh, in addition to a restaurant, and they're in mm-hmm. Westchester, PA. Good food. Uh, Brandon sadly didn't get to have his jalapeno. What were they? Shooters? Jala- bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. Poppers. Okay. They look so good. Uh, the wings look good. Rich Bobby had them. Uh, he was talking them up uh, when he was eating them at our live show back there in, was that September or was that August when we did the It live? was like the Wednesday before week one. Oh, okay. So, so it was September, September then. We'll probably be do- doing something there again. Well, maybe, I had an like idea, Jimmy. And greet. Oh, okay. I had let's an hear idea. it. Uh, I meant to run this by you, but I forgot. And now I'll do it on pod. We'll workshop so it on the pod. Let's do it. I mean, listeners maybe can weigh in here. So <laughs> yeah. I had, you know, so it's, we can't do an Eagles watch party. That's the tough part because Jimmy goes to the games, especially yeah. the, like, he goes to the road, you go to the road games and we have work to do anyway. We would not be fun to, even if we did go there, we wouldn't be fun to watch the game with because we're like working and doing stuff. Yeah. So with Eagles games being out, my idea was who doesn't love What's the phrase, people? What's the, I always say, uh, Shaden? Schadenfreude? Yeah, that. Well, who doesn't love that? What if we, like, did, like, a Cowboys watch party where, you know, we everyone gets together to, like, you know, root against them in a big game? I think sure. that could be fun. Uh, so I'm looking at their schedule here. We could obviously try to find a time that works. They play the Bills later in the year uh, on, like, 
a Sunday 17th. That Should we go on one. Thanksgiving? That would be tough. <laughs> I think I'm for kidding. a lot of people. They're, pro- they're probably not even open. <laughs> they play the Seahawks on a Thursday night game, November 30th, like maybe something like that. I think we maybe the and you know it's just an idea we're kicking it around here but i think like a a cowboys watch party to you know cheer them on to lose because that's always fun uh i think that could be maybe the most logical thing we could do it's got to be one where they have a chance of losing that's what i'm saying the seahawks on a thursday night football i think they have a chance of losing that game and then the bills in buffalo later in the year on a Sunday, I think they have a chance of losing that game. So, well, I couldn't go there for that one because I'd be in—I think I'd be in Seattle for that one. Why? Uh, but yeah, because I'll be at the Eagles Seahawks game. <laughs> I'm saying the Cowboys play them. Yeah, but I'll be at the Eagles Seahawks game for the Cowboys Bills game. It's I'll on Thursday. A... Cowboys Bills is on Thursday. No Seahawks. Cowboys Seahawks is on Thursday. Yeah, that could be a possibility. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah, saying. November thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. We'll t- we'll talk more about that offline. So but, we'll try to figure that out. But, but that's I'm, my yeah. Ideal. I'm open to that idea. That's not, that could that could be fun. If anyone from Wrong Crowd is listening, let's get some feedback. And then if any <laughs> any listeners, yeah, we are, should probably uh, include them in the conversation as well. Yeah, but like that's just an idea. Let's see if there's if but if there's some momentum behind it. If people think that's a good thing to do, then we'd like to hear your feedback. You can find our social media handles in the episode description below if you don't already have them, and uh, give us some feedback. And let's let's get something together. Okay, Jimmy. We will be back, back after, after this. this. Back here on BGN Radio. Talk about some of the positives from this Eagles-Jets game. Saved it for the best for last. Ending on a mm-hmm. high note. Eagles defense looked really good. They were awesome. And the Jets offense is obviously not the most imposing group, considering it's Zach Wilson back there at quarterback. And the Jets were without their starting right tackle, and Elijah Vera Tucker, and they lost their starting right guard in this game. So let's be clear, not the most impressive offense they've ever had to face, but still, I mean, they basically shut them down all game long, didn't allow a touchdown to that final one where the Eagles were intentionally giving up a touchdown and right. also were obviously set up by an awful Jalen Hurts turnover. So they did their job, really. They, they made this game winnable even though the Eagles turned the ball over four times on offense and it ultimately didn't result in a win. But I thought, and not only did they do their job, they did it despite the fact they only had one actual full-time safety who was a backup playing at at, a certain point with Reed Blankenship leaving. And it was just Terrell Edmonds and undrafted rookie free agent who played cornerback when we saw him in training camp and and apparently is now a safety Makai Gardner. Yeah. You you had, uh, you know, you wrote, no Darius Lay, no Jalen Carter, Milton Williams no, left no Maddox. for a period of time. No Maddox, no so, Blankenship, no uh, no Justin Evans. Justin Evans, another starting safety for you. So this defense was not working with a loaded unit. Unlike you know Jonathan Gannon, basically had a, a healthy defense full of Pro Bowlers like the whole year. He did not have to face adversity like this. Sean Desai did, and he got the most out of what he had to work with, and more. Yeah, I mean, so I think their big objective heading into this game was shut down the Jets' run game and then make them try to make them one-dimensional and get after the pass or get get after the quarterback, which is the old you know Jim Schwartz uh, mm. formula. And they did like How's they he helped. Doing? They helped, <laughs> he was. I, we'll get to him in a minute, I think. But uh, Brees Hall, uh, three point three yards per carry in that game. And again, you mentioned the only time that he really. I think his long was nine or eight, eight or nine. 
Uh, and I think it actually was the touchdown run that they let him have. <laughs> so like his long run was the only, but they, they want, they, he, they did what he wanted. He, they got him to do what they, they allowed him, him to do. do. It. Yeah. Uh, they, they allowed 4.1 yards per play overall, which is outstanding. They held the jets to, to 17 first downs. Very good. They allowed just two third down conversions on 11 attempts. There are a lot of punts in this game. They sacked Zach Wilson five times. And by the mm. way, Hassan Reddick really starting to come to life. He oh, now yeah. has five and a half sacks in six games. He actually has five and a half sacks in the last three games, had two and a half sacks in this game. Josh Sweat is becoming a star player. Yeah. You look at his stats and they don't look great yet. Like they're, they're fine. Like he's got three sacks through the first six games, which equates to like eight or nine on the season. But he is playing way above what his what the stat sheet says he's doing. He has been dominant so far, in my opinion, this season. You got the edge rushers working good. You got Jalen Carter playing like an all-pro player. Fletcher mm-hmm. Cox having a good year. Milton Williams had a really good game in this game, I think. He was disruptive in the backfield. Um, so you got a lot of pieces that are really working in this front seven, and they can be dangerous uh, at, You know, once all these guys start playing at a high level all at the same time. So a lot to look forward to in terms of um, you know their, their defensive front. They dominated in this, in this game. And their performance was wasted by by a horrendous offense by or horrendous performance mm-hmm. by the offense. I think you can see how a defensive line can cover up for some of the issues on the back end. I think that's what was happening for not only the Eagles but the Jets as well. Part of the reason why the Jets were able to survive with a couple of backups at cornerback there was because their front was so dominant and is strong. So I definitely think that's like you're seeing the value of why the Eagles put their resources into the defensive line because. Just like in theory, you know, doing that for the offensive line and like the quarterback on offense can kind of theoretically cover up for some of the deficiencies you have elsewhere. Uh, that's what your defensive line can do here. You made the point on Reddick. I think he had like five and a half sacks in his first eight games last year. So he's actually even on a better okay. pace than he was yeah. last year, even though he started off the season slow. So that's pretty crazy and definitely something that teams need to like watch out for if he's heating up that's a very dangerous thing you mentioned the uh interior defensive line as well there with Milton Williams also Jordan Davis I thought Jordan you know, Davis really had a good game too I I, I didn't I failed game. to mention him yep he's up to what one sack already two or two sacks I forget where he shared one at. with what BG I think in this game he did he, he probably should have had another wait this was that him who didn't get credited for he i don't think he got credited for for the one that he kind of got in the end there with reddick in any case uh jordan davis looked pretty good they had there him in there point. on obvious passing downs at, on some occasions so well, they they think the they, they had to well they didn't really they could have had like brandon graham in there like on the interior or something sure. like that they, they've had josh sweat play on the interior on some passing downs too and i thought he looked good like on on the obvious passing downs like there's not a lot of um mystery to what he's going to try to do typically on his pass rushes. He's going to try to walk the, you know, whoever's blocking him back into the backfield, but there's value in that because, you know, quarterback can't step up and that leaves him more, more vulnerable to the edge rushers. But there are some times where, I mean, he just bull rushed the living crap out of some of these jets interior offensive linemen. And I mean, I thought look just looked really good. He's a really hard player. Like to, he, he was a very hard player to single block when he was at Georgia. And we didn't see that so much in his rookie season. But starting to see that now, like it was always clear to me that when you're six six and you're 340 pounds and you have the athleticism that he and you're has, the, the second most athletic prospect since Calvin Johnson in terms of like total he, he, athleticism. 
he's not going to be a zero as a pass rusher. He's just not. So it's, it's good to see him, you know, start to kind of put that together a little bit in the second season here. I agree. And even kind of better to see it uh, to almost in a way without Jalen Carter playing. So it's not literally just like Jalen Carter is, you know, wrecking everything. Right. And Jordan Davis is clearly benefiting only off of that. Like he mm-hmm. did it without him. And there was one play where it's legal. It's not like one of these deals where, you know, they sack the quarterback and it's a dumb rule, but like they puts his weight on the quarterback as he goes down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dumb. yeah. There was one play. I forget. I think Davis got him when Wilson was on the run or something and took him down. And just imagine Jordan Davis like falling on you. Like, that would suck. Like, <laughs> yes. It sounds like an awful experience. Yeah. So I think like that's kind of another like underrated factor of like his size. It's just like I think like how that could wear down, not only on just a quarterback, but a running back too. You have that big guy like putting all of his weight on you. Like that sucks. That must feel like so, so tiring and exhausting, especially if it's happening all game long. So I definitely like that. And one last thing on Reddick that I forgot to mention. I mean, some of those sacks, a lot of these sacks are like high impact plays this isn't yes. just like not to say it's any you know that it's not valuable when it's a first down or something and you get a set but these are like third down like gotta have it critical stop and yeah Hassan fourth comes quarter up big. yeah fourth yeah. quarter game on the line kind of like these are these kind of situations and he's coming through like that's i think that makes his production even that much more impressive these are like high leverage kind of sacks and i wish you could almost kind of like give them extra credit or extra credit for that because uh, he deserves it. He's been awesome. And then Josh Sweat on that same kind of vein, one of the, I think the, his soul sack that he had was like right after the Eagles turned the ball over and it set the Jets way back. Like uh-huh. That's such a tone setter. It's like, yeah. okay, offense turned the ball over. Jets don't have life now because we just hit them with a big sack and now they're off schedule. So yeah, um, defensive line definitely continuing to be the strength of this team. Not shocking, but good to see that it's actually coming through and you know, obviously, hopefully the Eagles get Jalen Carter back sooner than later because that unit is just going to be able to cause a lot of issues for other offenses and give this defense a chance to be really good, despite the fact that they are banged up. They knew how good they were, too, by the way, because like in the locker room after the game, you've been in, you know, obviously you've been in locker rooms after the game where after a loss, it's like somebody died. <laughs> you know, like That's kind of the mood of the locker room where everyone's just kind of solemn. Nobody's really talking. People just kind of moping around. Uh, I'm not going to say the defensive line was whooping it up necessarily, mm-hmm. but eh, some smiles on, on some of those faces. I mean, they, they did they, their they, job. They, have they, knew they, they knew they they dominated uh, in, in, you know their matchups in this game. I don't need them to be partying like the Phillies are after they win a playoff <laughs> series, but they can, they're allowed <laughs> right. to feel good about themselves. They can feel yeah. like, hey, not like, oh, it's all the offense and we're above every criticism, but I mean, they can they can be happy with the, you know, turning in a good performance. Last thing I guess I had the positive section was AJ Brown, who <laughs> is the only offensive player who yeah. I had in my winners, losers, I don't know uh, uh, thing. I haven't written it up fully yet I'm behind, but uh, I mean, he was awesome again. No surprise. He did get caught loafing on that one route that Jalen Hurts threw down the field. And he has to know better on that in part because he's talked about that. And I think other players have talked about Jalen Hurts will throw that clear out route. Unlike some other quarterbacks, he will throw that. So he yeah. kind of has to be ready for that. He did make up for it very shortly after by getting the Eagles down to what, like the three yard line or whatever, he had that big catch and run and was breaking through tackles and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, Eagles ultimately still scored a touchdown. They're not going to crush him for that too much. I'm also not going to crush him for showing up the quarterback a little bit at the end of the game there. Some people don't like that. I didn't I see. Think, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. What did he do? 
I didn't see that. Uh, well, like he looked mad. He looked pretty mad that Jalen Hurts missed him after uh, that okay, first on down the, on play. The, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like AJ Brown's awesome. He kind of gets a little grace with that kind of stuff. And wide, this is who wide receivers are. At least a lot of the top ones, like that's who they are. Is yeah, you can't like Quez Watkins when he threw his hands in the air. Like, uh, was, who was that against? Yeah. Was that the Bucks? I don't know. Uh, I don't think he played against the Bucks. Oh, okay. So no. uh, it was the game he got. I guess the last. I think it was the last game he played. He threw. He was wide open in the end zone, mm-hmm. and he threw oh, his yeah. hands in the air like. Yo, like look at <laughs> look at me. You can't be doing that if you're Quez Watkins. Right. If you're AJ Brown, you can He's do that. You earned the right want. to do that. Yeah. And not um, all you want, but you but you can you can get away with that here and there. Yeah. So and I, you know, look, I think him and Jalen Hurts have a good relationship anywhere, anyway, where they can kind of do that kind of thing. I think and AJ's not like ripping Jalen in the media after the game. Of course. He, he yeah. has his back. But in the moment, he's allowed to be frustrated. Yeah. That was that was a huge play. He was wide open. It's 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 not like it's not like Zach Ertz. It's AJ Brown. He could go and potentially score a touchdown on that play for all we know in terms of just being able to like break through defend break through tackles and stuff. So to miss him there and to also set a bad tone for the drive, like yeah, he's I think he's allowed to be frustrated on that play that he did not hit him and he he was wide open. He's wide open. He overthrew him like ah. so. I don't blame him at all for that. And I think he's been awesome. And he's what the first Eagles receiver now to have 125 yards in four straight games. Like that's pretty special stuff. And some of those first downs, obviously he's going up against practice squad cornerbacks, but they just like, they look so easy. It's just tough third down. Who do you get the ball to? AJ Brown gets wide open. It's so easy. And he's been awesome this year. So I got one more thing. I got one. This isn't, this is neither positive nor negative. It's probably negative actually. Um, you did not see this on the telecast. There's there's a play. Uh, the Jets were kicking a field goal, and Derek Barnett know what this is. Yep. got got into it with the Jets, uh, one of their offensive linemen, and you know they kind of squared up a little bit, got broken up, and Derek Barnett's heading back to the sideline, and I guess a referee kind of jogged toward Barnett, and you know from behind, like kind of just grabbed his waist to get his attention. Barnett like wheel around like he was ready to fight whoever had you know grabbed him (laughs) and he realized that it was an official so he didn't deck him but still he he didn't he did not like it and he started screaming at the at the official and they like it almost kind of had to be like kind of almost had to be separated a little bit from the official but they like had a heated exchange Barnett Mm -hmm. goes to the sideline and then the official like told on him. I think it was to initially to uh, Joe Panunzio, I want to say. And then he also talked to Sean Desai and he talked to Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni, after talking to the official, went over and I mean reamed mm. out Derek Barnett for like a good. Why is he on the team? Like, why are <laughs> like... we. Nick Sirianni has no right to yell at Derek Barnett there because, like, of course he's going to do that. <laughs> For like a good, I'd say like 20 to 30 seconds, he was screaming at him on the sideline. And, you know, Milton Williams is kind of like patting Derek Barnett, like on the back, like while he's getting reamed out. It, it was like, I've, I've not seen Nick Sirianni ream someone out that, that badly. And, you know, we've seen him ream out players in, in practice and, yeah. and, you know, sometimes on the sideline uh, during games, but. I've not seen him ream someone out like he reamed out Derek. Yeah, Barnett but how in, could he possibly scenario? be surprised? Literally, the guy who said it's always him 
only like two two or three game three games into his <laughs> career with Derek Barnett is now surprised. I mean, why is, Derek been, Barnett, why is Derek Barnett on this team? Why is he? He's almost team? gotten he in doing? several fights this year, like with with the opposing team, and he barely plays. Like it, it happens. He's he's been close to getting personal fouls in multiple games. This game aside, so far this year, and he, like I said, he barely plays at all. And I think that's almost like okay ish. I think like to have like you know kind of a dick on the team like it's not like, it's not like the worst thing, thing. yeah like, like, a, like, like a goon yeah yeah a goon but at some point if he remains on this team at some point he is going to cost the he's going to get a personal foul and it's going to be meaningful in a game it's going to happen i'm i'm like i've never been more certain of something happening during a game this year where that like he's going to get a personal foul if he keeps doing what he's doing in these games and he's not like playing in high leverage situations he's playing mostly on rundowns i will say i kind of like to see nolan smith play more mm-hmm. but also he really hasn't done anything with his opportunities either he hasn't gotten any he hasn't gotten nearly he hasn't gotten as many opportunities as barnett has mm-hmm. but he had a play where i think he only played like three snaps in this game yep he he lost contain on the edge yeah, on an end an around issue. or reverse or whatever it was and um yep. yeah they got they Jets got a good gain uh, on that play he had an offsides penalty which I get like if you're having so so few opportunities to get in the game you're kind of like amped up and you, like you know you have to you make the most of the opportunities you have he jumped offsides the snap count too right right so right he doesn't you you, like, you don't get to see that so you're you not know, getting play the timing in and play down. out exactly so. You know, I think uh, he's kind of benefited maybe a little bit from John Carter being as good as he's been, where he's kind of sure. flown a little more under the radar. But um, you'd like to – I I think it's fair to have wanted to, to have seen something from him so far this year. We haven't seen anything really from, from mm-hmm. Nolan Smith just yet. Um, and certainly I think, like I said, if you can trade Derek Barnett for some kind anything. of – Some kind of backup defensive back that – do it like get mm-hmm. him out and get a get like some kind of depth guy in here even if it's just like a below average player mm-hmm. but just some kind of reasonable depth at corner slot corner maybe because you know you have bradley roby now i guess but you still kind of need a backup slot they had to play makai gardner at safety maybe if you can get a backup safety get get him out get him out while you can before he costs you in a big moment this year i agree I don't see why he's on the team. He's also going to be a free agent after this year, so it's not like what's what's the point? And at least like Nolan Smith has a future in theory with this team. Would like to definitely see Nolan Smith be getting some more of those snaps, even if he struggles. Like I yeah, can, right, right. Like you can get, live let, with let that get a little bit better. Yeah. What's the point of playing? Like what is the what are you gaining by playing Derek Barnett? I don't get it. He logged a stat in the box score in this game week six for the first time since week one he wasn't even showing up with a single stat of any kind in the box score since week one Derek Barnett is now up to one sack and four quarterback hits over his last 15 games Ooh. combined like, what is he doing here what is what was point? that in 20, 2021 he got that sack probably no because he only played or yeah 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 going back to 2021 because he only played one game obviously in 2022 but yeah I mean that's not like the biggest issue it's kind of a a nitpick, if you will, but it is also just it's inexplicable why he's still here. There's just no. Well, McLean had the stat where he's gotten, I think, forty pass rush opportunities so far this year, and he's got no pressures, none. Yeah, so he didn't look good in training camp. He shouldn't probably shouldn't have made the roster. Like, what are we doing here? 
they have to there has to be someone like on someone's practice squad who is more intriguing and could potentially you know be better than him and could be some kind of long like not necessarily exactly you no know, Janarius robinson who didn't pan out but there has to be someone like that out there somewhere who like let's just give that guy a chance because why not he might be able to give you more than Derek Barnett can. And Derek Barnett is not giving you anything. Anyway, anyway, we've gone too long on Derek Barnett. Uh, any <laughs> final thoughts for you, Jimmy? Yeah, a very enjoyable uh, you know, game one in the NLCS. Philly's taking care of business. A little, little, uh, little tense at the end there. I was never too worried about it. Yeah. You know, once once they had the three quick solo home runs, it's like, okay, well, they're just gonna they're just gonna coast in this game. Some some unlucky uh, balls off their bats in this game yep, too. They hit them right at. I almost said Astros uh, defenders, but Diamondbacks defenders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like their chances here in uh, game two, which uh, it's tonight, right? Yep, tonight. Yeah. Nola on the mound. I think the offense is probably going to hit again. That's what they kind of just do. Heard a stat that I think they're. 12 home runs in the past so many games is like the first time an, a, a baseball team ever has done that. And I like the stat that Castellanos is the first player since uh, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October himself, who has hit four home runs or five home runs, sorry, in his last in three games in the playoffs, like mm. in, a, in a three game stretch. That's pretty insane. I love Castellanos, dude. I am if the Phillies win the World Series, I am a hundred percent getting a Castellanos jersey. Like I just think that guy's awesome. Yeah, hard um, not to like him when he has got when he's got five home runs in three, in three Well games. not even just like I, even, I, honestly. But yeah, his person he's got a great personality. Yeah, going yeah. into the playoffs, I was feeling strongly but I loved like, from the moment the playoffs began, because he got that double in game one and he held up the finger and everyone thought he was flipping the dugout <laughs> off, but no, it was the ring finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had the comment after they lost the Braves game where it's like he wasn't worried. It was like, wasn't no panic. It's like, this is what happens. We get punched in the face. We punch right back. And they did. And he came out and he was the one who set the tone in both of those Braves games in Philly, where Phillies go down. Oh, one early crowd. gets yeah. a little tight CBP. He gets a solo Homer tie game. And then the rest of the team goes off from there. And obviously he contributed more as well. Like he's been like, obviously Harper is the MVP. He's the guy who he is the straw that stirs the drink yeah. at the end of the day. And Schwarber leads in his own way. He kind of has this like, a uh, certain kind of presence in the locker room where I think he's kind of li- like a little bit more of like a fun guy and uh, but also able to be serious as well. It goes between mm-hmm. that and is is literally like the leadoff hitter and can set the tone in some ways like he did in this game one against the Diamondbacks. Castellanos is like, it's interesting because he's never been like the leader guy in his career, but there's something about, I think it's he's more of like lead by example guy. He's just like, he's locked in. Like he's yeah. like, we're not messing around. This isn't like in the post game when you see him, he's not like, giving you the cliche answers and happy and lap. No, he's like dead. He's like dead focused. He, and I, I love it. He, it's awesome. He's, he's great. So um, I'll probably get a Harper one too, to be clear, but like, I just, I love Castellanos. Can't get enough of him. think he's been awesome. And not just because of the home runs, but again, this whole, just the attitude. So really excited about that. It was nice to see the Phillies win with the Eagles losing. Nice little pick me up. Uh, tough that the Cowboys won in Monday night football especially because the Chargers are such chokers and could have found a way to make Dallas pay for multiple miscues, but did not. But I was also never expecting, I like, I didn't pick the Chargers to win in any of my predictions. I couldn't possibly like, why would you put your faith in them? You could not. Possibly the end of the first that. half series, by the way, um, in that Dallas game, I'll just get into this really quickly. 
uh, they had the ball, I believe it was, it was in the red zone somewhere. I don't remember exactly 17 yard line, I think. And then they completed a pass to Tony Pollard, got tackled in bounds. Clock is running or should be running, but it, like he got tackled at eight seconds. The opposing team's clock operator stopped the clock at because <laughs> the Cowboys had two timeouts. The yep. opposing team's clock operator stopped the clock at anticipating the obvious Cowboys timeout that was to come immediately as soon as he got tackled. Mike McCarthy instead said to the officials, "No, I don't want I don't want the timeout. Run the clock." So they run it down to 3 and he calls the timeout, kicks a field goal. They're at the 14-yard line. You don't want to call a timeout with 8 seconds and take yeah, at least one, one shot, shot into the end zone. Take one shot into the end zone. Fade pass or even whatever. like take it take it like just throw the ball to the 5-yard line and see if your guy can run in. And then if he doesn't call a timeout and kick a field goal from there anyway, Shorter like, field you don't want to think yep. it, you don't want to try to get a touchdown there. Just insane. And it's a reminder that no matter how good the Cowboys look at times during the regular season, always remember Mike McCarthy is their head coach. and He's going to screw up a big situation in the playoffs at some point. Well, also, uh, I'll, I'll get into this with my good friend slash enemy RJ Ochoa on the NFC's mixtape. But. Dak Prescott has a chance to hit Tony Pollard for a touchdown at the end of the game there. Yes. I thought, I mean, and I don't even think it was like a tough throw. I mean, it looked tougher for Pollard than it had to be because the throw was so off. But and even as the throw was being made, I, I knew it was going to be off because it looked wobbly. It didn't come out right. Something was right. Like off about that throw. And like if he and the Cowboys have to settle for a field goal. If Justin Herbert and the Chargers are not able to or are able to overcome defeating themselves if the Chargers can for once manage to not uh, grab defeat from the jaws of victory, like Dak should be getting crushed because he left a touchdown on the board. And if the, if the Chargers have a game winning drive there, so he got off real easy. He got a lot of credit because he drove the Cowboys in the scoring position there. And he deserves some of that. Some of the other part of that is that the, as you, we were texting about hard uh, Chargers play that the nonsense Jonathan Gannon defense where <laughs> right. they have to defend every blade of grass and it's third and long and the cornerbacks are playing way off and giving the <laughs> right. receivers like a free first down basically um so that was infuriating to watch like who cares get beat deep it's late in the game like make a play don't right. just let them drive down right like, challenge them so that was frustrating to see but also again not shocking so yeah, uh, it's not like that Cowboys win all of a sudden has me afraid of them. Um, Dak but... apparently had a good game from what I understand. I didn't see I, – I only saw I, – like I would flip over to that game during commercials yeah, during same. the Phillies game, so I didn't see much of it. But apparently, like the consensus was he had a very good game. But I, too, caught only the bad moments for him, like yep. the, the missed throw to, to, to Pollard. So it wasn't really uh, – my perception of, of him during that game wasn't great, but apparently he did play well. Well, it was frustrating, too, because, uh, again, like the, the narrative – love that word uh, – like t- Troy Aikman – Shocker, former Cowboys quarterback, was insistent I, that... I actually think he's fair with the Cowboys, too. So it's kind of... I, I know where you're going with this. It was, yeah, I'm not it, saying it surprising to me to, to, see him, to see him go this way, actually. In this moment in the game, he was insistent that... I forget who the linebacker, uh, I guess Kenneth Murray, like, interfered with Tony Pollard, and that's why Pollard wasn't able to catch that ball. <laughs> right. the, like, the timing was... He didn't right. even touch him, basically. And, like... So and Troy kind of didn't matter. The ball the ball is way off target anyway. 
but he was like obsessed with that and they showed the replay and Troy was like oh I guess he didn't really actually <laughs> but then there was like no admit no admitting that it was just a terrible throw by the quarterback in a, yeah. a key moment that should have been able to like at least yeah, put, put the, the Cowboys like in the spot. Game over. It's over. Yeah, well, it's over. Yeah. Well, it's not over, right? Because they would. Oh, I guess they would have been up seven. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, you're like, right. you're, you're at least going to overtime if you make that touchdown, probably. So like, it was a huge. You you, you potentially lose the game with that settling for a field goal there. So anyway, uh, all right, let's get out of here. This was BGN Radio two or sorry three fifty seven. We'll be back with you for an Eagles Dolphins preview. Later this week, everyone is terrified of the Dolphins, understandably so, because their offense is really good, but and the Eagles are banged up, but we will get you know a better look at the injury report and everything, and we'll discuss that game later this week. Check out all of our sponsors, Right to Stone Craft Jerky, Wrong Crowd Beer Company, Right Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, all that information in the episode description below, in addition to our social media handles. So we appreciate you following along and supporting and all that good stuff. And we'll be back here with you later this week to preview week seven. Love you, Charlie. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup developer first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.